0: M S W media
1: Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jason Aldean, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. Will pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. Well, this is what we're drinking with and done. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the show and welcome. Through 2021, I'd wish you a happy new year, but I don't know what happy means anymore. What I will wish you is peace and health, contentment, sanity, all the things we're going to need moving forward in this year. But things are going to get better. I can feel it. The name of the show is What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. And what I'm drinking to ring in the new year is some champagne from Piper Heidsick. I'm drinking the Piper Heidsick Brut Non-Vintage about $45 a bottle. It is a lovely, lovely bottle of bubbly. You got notes of almond and fresh hazelnut in there. It's a very lively wine, but the, uh, subtle subtle on the fruit flavor. There's some pear in there and some apple and a little delicate hint of citrus fruits. That's the Piper Heidsic Brut Non-Vintage. That's what I'm drinking, and I'll take a sip. Cheers, everybody. Yeah, that's good stuff. Coming up on the show today, director Steven Soderbergh will be joining me. He's got a new movie on HBO Max called Let Them All Talk, and he's also the founder of Singani 63, one of my favorite spirits brands. We're going to be talking about that and drinking that with Steven coming up in a few minutes. Also going to be getting a, a visit from my another filmmaker friend of mine by the name of Marcos Efron. Going to be joining me. And speaking of Stevens, I was cleaning out my uh, closet over the holidays, getting rid of a bunch of old clothes, and I found a box of old clothes, and in that box was a, a sweatshirt that I had from the Bondurant High Performance Driving School. Bob Bondurant racing legend, just a larger than life guys up there with like Carol Shelby and Dan Gurney, these kind of characters. And so this school is in Chandler, Arizona. So many, many years ago I was a newspaper columnist in Chandler, Arizona, and I got invited to participate in some racing at Bonderon. And I thought, well yeah, I'm gonna jump I'm gonna jump on that. It was a uh it was really fantastic I, I don't remember I, I feel like we were driving like a dodge or something like a, a challenger or whatever the equivalent was I mean this is a 20 some years ago so I get there and it's a small group of people that have paid a, a fairly significant amount of money to be there to learn how to be a race car driver and we're all in a room getting ready the uh, a group of guys were in the one room and we're putting on our racing uniforms our suits and I'm talking to a guy named Steve. And he's asking about me, and I tell him I'm a columnist for the Tribune down there in Phoenix. And then I, I said, well, Steve, what do you do? And Steve tells me that he's in a band. I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, you guys, you play around? You play around Phoenix? He says, yeah, you know, we, we play around here. And sure, yeah, we play all over the place. All over, you mean like all over Arizona? He's like, no, we play, you know, everywhere. I said, no kidding. What's the name of the band, Steve? He says, uh, "Steve Miller Band." Yeah, okay. You're, uh, you're, you're Steve Miller. Yeah, I am Steve Miller. So I met Steve Miller. In my defense, Steve Miller is the most un rock star looking guy you can imagine. Steve Miller looks like a guy who runs a car dealership. He does not look like a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He wasn't a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at that point, but he is now. But yeah, I got to meet Steve Miller and I got to drive a race car with Steve Miller. And I can tell you this, Steve Miller is a hell of a race car driver. As good as a songwriter and singer and performer, motherfucker can drive a car too. He beat me, that's for sure. I was, I was a bit of a wimp behind the wheel of the automobile. I'm going to tell you that. I'm a bit of a wimp. Steven, Steven Soderbergh's got a movie that he did called Logan Lucky centered around race car driving. Maybe I'll talk to him about that. I mentioned my filmmaker buddy, Marcos Efron. I've known him for the better part of 20 years. We met a long time ago here in Los Angeles. And then we hung out at the Sundance film festival. We've been fast friends ever since. He's a very talented guy. Did a movie a few years back called and soon the darkness with Amber heard, Carl urban, delightful movie you should watch it it's not really delightful it's kind of scary it's a thriller but it's it's great check it out you'll find it wherever you can stream stuff anyway marcos has this thing he's doing called cinema vino he he tried it a few years ago and then he got hired and he was working a lot and he got away from it but he's bringing it back I'm going to butcher this, I know what the show is, but my understanding of the show is he brings in people that work in cinema, in film, it could be editors, directors and whatnot, and he drinks wine with them and they discuss wine and they discuss filmmaking, it's a video series, he has just relaunched it on YouTube, Vino. I invite you to go check it out and subscribe. He's a very talented guy, and he knows his wine. So I I told Marcos I was going to have Steven Soderbergh on the show, and I asked him if he would do some sort of a uh, a pairing situation for me. So what he did is he took three films of Soderbergh's, and he paired them with wines. and He he put together a little audio for us, and
2: here it is. Hey there, and welcome to CinemaVino with Marcos Efron. I'm partnering up with Dan Dunn, and you're going to want to listen to it because his guest is none other than Steven Soderbergh. Yes, that's Steven Soderbergh, director of the Ocean's 11-12-13 franchise, Haywire, Aaron Brockovich, Logan Lucky, everyone's favorite, Magic Mike, Um, and his latest movie, Let Them All Talk, starring Meryl Streep, is out on HBO Max right now. Okay, so what I'm going to do is a lightning round pairing of three wines with three Soderbergh movies. Actually, scratch that. It's going to be two wines and one spirit, and you'll see why in a second. All right, the movies are, first, The Limey, starring Terrence Stamp as an aging ex-con who comes to L.A. from London to find out who is responsible for his daughter's death.
0: Because you've got to make a choice when to do something and when to let it go, when it matters and when it don't. Bide your time. That's what prison teaches you, if nothing else. Bide your time and everything becomes clear and you can act accordingly.
2: Next is Behind the Candelabra, based on Scott Thorson's book about his complicated relationship with Liberace, played with impeccable flamboyant grace by Michael Douglas.
1: I think my favorite review is from San Francisco when they said Liberace was no Rubinstein, but then Rubinstein is no Liberace. <laughs> oh, this is my house boy Carlucci. He rules the roost around here.
2: And last but not least, we've got the original king of cool movies, the one that started it all, Ocean's Eleven which is actually a remake of a 1960 Frank Sinatra Rat Pack movie of the same name. They're both great movies.
1: How you doing? Whiskey and whiskey. Danny. Tess, you're doing a great job curating the museum. The Vermeer is quite good, it's simple, vibrant, although his work definitely fell off as he got older. I remind you of anyone? And I always confuse Monet and Manet. Now, which one married his mistress? Monet. Right, and then Manet had syphilis.
2: They also paint it occasionally. All right, so without further ado, let's drink. Okay, first up, we've got the limey. Now, some of this movie takes place in LA's grittier parts, but a lot of it has this golden Hollywood Hills vibe to it. And, you know, when Terrence Stamp isn't running around LA unleashing this perfect torrent of cockney profanities, the movie really does have this cool, easy, breezy vibe to it. And a lot of that is due in part to the world of Peter Fonda's record producer character. He's Terrence Stamp's daughter's love interest. Um, So with that golden-hued vibe of his world, I thought, you know what? A big buttery Chardonnay would go well with this movie. Now, typically, I'm not a big buttery Chardonnay kind of guy, but I just think it fits. And this is an Edna Valley Chardonnay. And you know what? It even says buttery on the label. Okay, so next up, I'm gonna go with Behind the Candelabra. Now look, anything having to do with Liberace is going to have to be big and bold and glitzy in the center of attention. Now in the movie, Scott Thorson, played by Matt Damon, was the object of Liberace's affection. But this was Liberace after all, and Scott soon realized that his love was conditional. But romance aside, it's undeniable that Liberace had this incredible presence and this sheer sway over people and not just his audience. So in keeping with the Liberace aesthetic, I searched high and low for a bottle that I thought was, you know, glitzy and glittery enough for for who he was. So this is what I've got. This is the Gemma di Luna Moscato. It's even got a little bit of glitter on the bottle. Now look, I get it. Liberace was only half Italian, but I don't think Poland makes a sparkling wine. All right, last but not least, we've got Ocean's Eleven. And I'm going to flip the script and I'm going to go with whiskey instead of wine. Now I get it, it's a George Clooney movie and you're thinking, well, if you're gonna break the rules, Marcos, why don't you go with Casamigos Tequila? And you know what, I love Casamigos Tequila, but nothing says Vegas to me more than Bourbon on the Rocks and nothing says Rat Pack Cool more than Jack Daniels. You know, it's good, it's cheap, and it's been the fuel of rock stars and miscreants for decades. Yeah, sure, you could probably class it up with Gentleman Jack, or you could just be like Frank, put it on the rocks with a splash of water. And there you have it. A Cinema Vino-Steven Soderbergh trio. Try saying that five times real fast.
0: I need to correct my buddy Marcos here. He did say that the final pairing was bourbon, and then he he threw out Jack Daniels. And we, of course, anybody that listens to this show (coughs) regularly knows that Jack Daniels is not bourbon. It's Tennessee whiskey, but it's a mistake a lot of people make. It's close. It's a kissing cousin. The reason Jack Daniels can't be Uh, classified as bourbon is it undergoes charcoal filtering. That is a step that is not allowed legally bourbon and they don't want to be called bourbon. They want to be Tennessee whiskey. So that's Jack Daniels. Anyway, Marcos, thank you for that. And again, I invite everybody to check out uh, cinema's vino on YouTube, subscribe to it, comment, tell Marcos you heard it here on what we're drinking with Dan done. I invite you to Follow me on Instagram at the imbiber and follow this show at WWD underscore podcast. The podcast has its own Instagram account now. It is grown up. It is ready to do social media on its own. There's going to be a video up there of Steven Soderbergh himself talking. Go there. Follow us on the social medias, everybody. And I think it's time to have a quick word from our sponsors. Got to pay the bills. And then we're going to jump in with Steven Soderbergh. Let's do this. Is there something interfering with your happiness preventing you from achieving your goals? Yeah, it's called a pandemic. I've been struggling with it. And at times I've kind of felt alone. And well, thanks to this sponsor, I know that I'm not. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist. That's right. You need to talk to somebody, you can start communicating in under 48 hours. This is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit betterhelp.com slash drinking. That's better, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. There's a special offer for my listeners. You're going to get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash drinking. If you need help, it's there for you. All right, all right, all right. Joining me now, a return guest. He's been on the show. I feel like he's been on the show numerous times. We've done numerous things together, whether it's on this podcast or streaming or whatever. Guy just always wants to work with me. What can I say? Um, but I, I can't think of a better way to start off the new year with than with a guest of this caliber. He's got a, a movie, his new movie, uh, Let Them All Talk, is, is currently streaming on HBO Max, a fantastic film. We're going to talk about that. And of course, for purposes of what we're drinking, he is the founder of Singani 63, one of my favorite spirits brands. We're also going to be talking about that. Please welcome back to the show, Steven Soderbergh. Hey, man.
1: Hey, how are you? It's great to see you. Good to see you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, getting ready for 2021.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, uh, there's an interesting thing that happened at the end of the year where there was almost sort of a euphoria with people like this year's finally over, but it's not like the pandemic just ended. Yeah. That said, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I, I'm i hopeful that we're going to have a shit show these first couple of months but that we're going to emerge. How do you, how do you feel about that?
1: Yeah, I think that's probably pretty accurate. It's going to take a little while to roll out these vaccines, but the good news is they, they work and they're, they're safe. And um, I think the biggest challenge is going to be convincing people to get vaccinated. Um, That's the, the, the government, uh, the industry that I work in during the day and the industry I work in at night uh, I hope we'll get together and, and you know, try to convince people that, that this is worth doing if we're ever going to return to anything like normal. And it's a it's a tall order. There's a lot of anti-vax um, emotion out there, and it's got to be countered.
0: I just had this conversation last night with uh, some friends that are uh, a couple and she's pregnant. You're very reluctant yeah. to take it, take the vaccine because well, she's pregnant. Well,
1: that's, that's fair. I think if anybody who's pregnant, I think, is understandably wary about poking themselves with any new drug. But I, generally speaking, um, all of my contacts that I worked with on Contagion, who I've been in touch with throughout the past 12 months, have said these are very, very good vaccines, very robust um, and very safe. And so I'm, I'm not quite in the first tier in terms of age groups. Uh, but hopefully I'll be in there somewhere.
0: It's funny you say that I had that. I, I still think of myself like a kid and I'm sure you probably do as well. And I thought, man, I'm never going to get this thing. And then I realized, no, I I'm going to get it. I'm probably, you know, third tier, probably, you know, my, my younger brother's going to have to wait a while, but I'm going to probably be getting it at some point. But I read an interesting article in the New York Times that said the the private sector is going to drive that a lot, the vaccination. So in other words, you can't you can't go places if you haven't been vaccinated. So I think that's going to motivate people to do it. If you can't put your kid back in school because you haven't been vaccinated, maybe that'll come around. And maybe when the noise dies down and Trump's gone, some of that rhetoric will die down as well. I I don't know. I'm hopeful that it will. So uh, speaking of what's coming up in the new year, you have signed on to produce the Oscars. So what is that going to look like this year?
1: Well, it's going to look a lot different, um, because it has to, largely because of COVID. Um, but that also provides us with an opportunity to try some things and and see if there isn't a different way to approach the show. Um, i'm I'm looking at the fact that it already has an asterisk behind it as As a plus, and that means you know new ideas and we'll see I'm excited about it and so far um all of the the bold proposals that the three of us have put forward have been embraced so i'm I'm hopeful that we can deliver something at the very least that won't look anything like uh the previous shows.
0: I'm excited for it, although i, I admittedly I have not seen a lot of them this is. Usually I go, you know, I'll get screeners eventually, but I have not seen many of the movies. I've seen yours and I feel like Let Them All Talk is going to be in the mix. I hope. I think it's a, just a great movie. No, I'm really not sucking up to you. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that movie and especially so because you and I were together right before you did this. We're in the Brandy Library in New York City and it was, I mean, it was a, I think you were a couple of weeks out from going to do it. Yeah. And you had told me at the time that it was going to be about an 11 day shoot, eight days on the boat few days after. I think it ended up being about two weeks, right, from what I've read?
1: Yeah, it ended up total being about 15 all in, but the bulk of it was that eight-day crossing.
0: Were you concerned about weather or anything that might pop up because you, there were so many elements you could not control on that boat? How, did it go? I mean, it looked like it went smoothly, the, the end result of the film, but how did it go?
1: Yeah, it did. Um, the The first few days were a little rocky. We had, the, the page count was pretty heavy, uh, every day, and we were a little behind the first three days, which is not a, a, a sensation that I enjoy. But we we kind of found our rhythm, and by the time we got off the boat, we were we were a little bit ahead. So it turned out to be a a real adventure, really fascinating. It's a trip I'd love to take if I didn't have to work all the time. It's a really beautiful ship, and uh, you know, again, that's another industry that is really Struggling to survive and and is I'm sure looking to the vaccinations as a way to get back into business. Um, but you know they're not alone. There's there's I, I work in one of the few industries during the day that's actually been able to go back to work because of the stringent protocols that the producers are are willing to pay for. And but but so many
0: tentacles of what you do. Theaters, you're talking about your day job. You got theaters and all that. That's that's all in trouble. And then your night your yeah. your night job, the spirits industry, as we know, bars and restaurants are are, are you know really in trouble. I, in fact, our mutual friend, I just uh, Ivy Mix was just on a uh, they interviewed her on CNN, and uh, right before Christmas, and you could see the fear. Yeah, it, it, it came through. She said, "I don't know if it's going to be today or tomorrow or next week, a couple weeks." She said, "But." We can't sustain, she has a place called Leyenda in Brooklyn, and we can't sustain this. So, it's scary. But, back to the film, which I, (laughs) which I, which, what's interesting to me, you know, it it feels like, it's, what you did was a really interesting trick with this, when it feels like a light movie, but it's heavy, man. It's a heavy film. And maybe it's because of the, the gravitas, the actors are so good that they, they make it feel light, but yet they're dealing with these heavy subjects.
1: Well, the, the movie to us was always about endings, the closing of a chapter. And we won't spoil it for people who haven't seen it. But it, it certainly felt that way when we were making it. And then, of course, we finished it in February, March of 2020, just as the pandemic was really starting to take off. And instantly we realized we'd made a period film, that this was uh, a relic from the before times, but that kind of added to this sense of a cycle coming to a close. And so that, that built-in undertow that, that you picked up on, I feel like just got amplified by the pandemic. Um, so it's, it's interesting to see a movie that you made a year ago, and, and it might as well have been made 20 years ago. For, for the way that our lives have changed.
0: Yeah, it's it really is incredible in that regard. I I was in Ireland right before this happened, going to touring distilleries over there for the show, and it was a week before L.A. shut down. And do you remember back then, everybody was talking about it's going to be two weeks. Yeah, It yeah. didn't seem like a big deal at all. And I, you know, thinking back to just that week before I was in these pubs in Dublin and everybody's shoulder to shoulder and everybody's having, and going to the distillers and doing, and then bam, and now here we are 11, 10, 11 months later and still going on. So yeah, this is depressing, yeah. this fucking interview. Um, no, but so we get, uh, one of the things I was, in the movie, Alice, which is Meryl Streep's character, it's basically about how her success, he's an author, changed the course of their friendship. And one of the things I thought of was, this podcast is really blowing up. Do you worry that if this gets too big that our friendship will be impacted by my uh, supernova-like fame?
1: Oh, I have no doubt that you will change drastically and that, and that I'll be one of the many people who essentially become roadkill in your in your kind of craven climb uh, to the top rung of the ladder? But you know, I I, I sense that early on, <laughs> so I've been preparing myself to detach. Um, so I, I'm watching closely. I'm looking for. I'm looking for. Here's the key sign. You haven't you haven't indulged in it yet, but I know it's coming. It's what um, a friend of mine, Rich Eisen calls the three PA and this is the third person alert. So at some point you will refer to yourself as Dan Dunn, and then I'll know it's over.
0: Well, I do that now because I'm alone during the pandemic. So it, it it's sort of like a conversation. If I refer to myself in the first person, it's almost like I'm talking to somebody else, but yeah, you're right. I mean, the, t- the day will come where you'll be getting a, you know, monogrammed towels from me. Yeah. You know, oh, wow. yeah. I can't return the call, but send them some towels. Uh, you know, keep them clean there. So now the movie doing great. Love that flick. I also want to talk about uh, Singani, uh, your, your, your lovely, wonderful spirit. And you've just launched a psych by Singani 63.com where people can now order directly. Am I correct on that?
1: Yes, that's true. And you know, this, this was, this is kind of a new thing. Uh, I mean, we're not the only people doing this, but, it's, it's new in the sense that with, a, with a, a thriving bar and restaurant business, this would be viewed as a, a, a sort of niche aspect of your brand, that you, you want to have people be able to go on to the internet and, and have your product shipped to them directly wherever they are. But it's not, it's not the core of your business. But when Labor Day rolled around, we had an internal discussion and it was my feeling that it wasn't the business wasn't going to come back, as we all hoped, after the summer. And the, and when John Brathwaite, uh, who works with me, said, I really think we should talk seriously about pursuing some kind of e-commerce play here. If if you're if you really believe that the business is going to is not going to recover as quickly as we thought. We need to pivot, like we need to do something. And so we started pursuing this. And And I'm glad we did, because here we are in January. It's still a question mark as to when and whether bars and restaurants are going to come back at anywhere near their levels. So many of them have already closed. And as you said, talking to Ivy, it's heartbreaking. People like Ivy, this is their whole lives. They've Leanda is she's put everything she has into that, and it's really as people like you and me who talk to people like Ivy constantly, it's the the stories are heartbreaking. So I'm I'm hoping that as part of the you know first six months of this year and trying to get things back on track that there's a way to help people recover. You know, we've made sure to contribute to to any of the specific um, accounts that, that we have relationships with or to the USBG or to just anything that we can do to, to try and help people.
0: You and I being on the inside, so to speak, you get to know these people that, that do this and you know just how much work went into it. You know, Ivy started off as a bartender like most of the people and she worked her way up and she got really good at what she does and people vibed with that. But I mean the amount of time and energy that it takes to, to not only launch a successful bar, but maintain a successful bar and then to have this come along and, and you know, I don't, I've mixed feelings about the shutdowns and things. Obviously when you don't have ICU beds, it's a, what are you going to do? You can't go out. But at the same time, I, you know, I have friends here in LA that invested a lot of money into outdoor proofing their bar. And then that got taken away. So now not only are you losing that money, you just lost the 20,000 that you put in to turn your parking lot into a, uh, it's tough. But uh, I, again, I do think that we are going to come through this and the cream will ride. The Ivy mixes of the world will find their place again. I know that. And it, like you said, I think there's a lot of people in the industry like yourself who are, going out of their way to make sure that these bar owners and bartenders are taken care of to some degree. There's yeah. a lot. Yeah. there's people in other industries that have it worse, I would say,
1: you know, so oh, for sure. But it's a, it's, as you know, it's such a, wherever you live, bars and restaurants are such a part of your life, such a part of the, the culture of the neighborhood that you occupy. Um, it's, it's just hard to see that completely, Carved away, and it is, it is. I think frustrating for people to to get sort of mixed messaging, and why are the, why are the lockdowns happening, and is this really the source? Unfortunately, it, it's gotten to a place where the virus is so widespread, it's impossible to even tell where where it's coming from, where the hotspots are, because it's now everywhere, and so it, it it's impossible even for you know, our representatives who make these decisions to know definitively, is it outdoor dining that's really pushing this forward? Or when you make people stay home and they go see other friends in their homes, is that what's doing it? It's, it's so widespread now, they can't even parse that. So it's, it's really frustrating. It's frustrating for me just because I had a, a sort of connection to this issue through contagion. To know that it did not have to be this bad. This, this this is truly the definition of something that you see coming and that you can prepare for. And and it was it's just been heartbreaking for me to watch how there there was no federal coordinated response. It's it's the it may it may be the only area in 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 human activity. In which the the first thing you should do when when you feel it coming is to wildly overreact. There's no other context in which that's the smart move. It is the smart move here, and we we had the tools to choke this thing off, and we just didn't do it.
0: When history is written on this thing, and people look back, I mean, I'm not going to mince words. You know, and I get these people that'll write me about. Don't get political. You know, this is. A, a criminal fuck up criminal and and the news is still just coming out about what they knew and what they tried to do to, you know, and I don't think we'll ever see anything like this again I hope we don't ever see anything like this again in our lifetime where you look at something as you said that should have somebody had to be the adult in that room and step up and say no 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 we can't but nobody did like I, I just feel like Anything else, any other scandal, if you want to call it, any other bullshit that's happened in politics is so pales in comparison because there's a real cost here. You know, when we get to that year mark coming up in two months, probably going to be a half million people dead. And to think that they knew it and they could have what they could have done, but it didn't fit with the messaging and they were worried about the fucking stock market and all this other shit. Sorry, that that just get, gets me. Well, no, look, yeah. it
1: doesn't. It, it that doesn't have to be a political conversation because the bottom line is the the tools were there to to prevent this from turning into what it turned into in this country, and so it's with, without going back in time and installing somebody else um, in that position as as being in charge of this, it's impossible to say what would have happened. But this, this just didn't have to play out in this fashion. And so now, you know, like I said, now our job is to, is to get the messaging clear and, and get out the other end of this, um, which, which we can, you know, it's, here's the good news. When we made Contagion, you know, nine, 10 years ago, the technology that allowed them to develop these vaccines so quickly didn't exist. Like, it is it is shocking how fast this vaccine has been developed and, tri- and put into trial and gotten into people's arms. Even five years ago, this wouldn't have been possible. And you can imagine what it would look like if we were a year into this and we had no vision of a vaccine coming. So that's the good news is that the scientists working on this have really outdone themselves in in getting to a vaccine this fast. It's it's incredible.
0: It is. And now for another awkward segue, back to yeah. Singani. On the website, Stephen, there's a quote from you that says, uh, if there's a cocktail you can't make with Singani 63, I don't know what it is, and so I'm going to enlighten you about one that you can't okay. you can't make with Singani 63." It is the Dark and Stormy. You know why you cannot make the Dark and Stormy with Singani 63? Tell me. Because Gosling's, Gosling's Rum, actually trademarked Dark and Stormy in 1991. It doesn't, it's never happened with any other kind. They trademarked Dark and Stormy in 1991, and they prohibit people marketing a drink under the name Dark and Stormy in the U.S., and they are very litigious about this, by the way. They will sue you. If you went on TV and said I'm making a dark and stormy using Singani 63, they would sue you.
1: Well, see, that's kind of a red flag to me. That's very tempting because I'm, I'm looking at the optics of that, and I'm like, really, you, you really want to go there? You want to sue a boutique brand? for making a dark and stormy without your product. I, I would love to see that play out.
0: This this could be invaluable PR for the I, brand. I, I, I like it. Uh, another thing about Singani, my friend uh, Cliff Dorfman, I was just on his show recently. He's a huge fan of you, your films, and Singani, and he wanted me to let you know he's got a, a perfect cigar pairing. I don't know if you smoke oh. cigars, but the Bolivar Bellicoso Fino is the cigar that he says pairs and obviously there's a connection there with, uh, yeah. It, it, but he said it's a, it, it's a, um, a very earthy, sweet, savory notes. says a great cigar to have with the, with the Singani he wanted me to tell you about that. And, uh, you know, well, Bolivar was, uh, you've got a connection there, right? I mean, he was the great exactly. liberator. No,
1: that sounds, that sounds, that sounds sweet.
0: Yeah. So there you go. I'm uh, Hey, I'm here for you, Steven. I just want to give okay. you some, so now I, I want to get to something that I've been excited to, uh, Talk to you about for a while and I don't know how this has never come up before because you are a not only are you a filmmaker you're I would you venture you're also a film historian you 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 study film you know about the history of it and you're also part of the bar culture and becoming a bigger and bigger part of the bar culture so what I wanted to talk to you about Stephen was what I believe is the moment that changed everything okay the abomination that would ultimately lead to the modern craft cocktail revival in this country can be summed up in five simple words. When he pours, he rains. You know what that is?
1: Yeah, I do. It is, it is without question, if not the best tagline of all time, certainly one that, that we have to use as there was this industry, the cocktail industry, before that tagline appeared and there is the industry after it is absolutely uh a line that that cleaves you know before to after
0: by the way just so everybody knows what we're talking about here it is the tagline is for the 1988 film cocktail which starred tom cruise as like a tgi friday's great bartender named brian flanagan who over the course of a Unmistakably awful yet eminently watchable 103 minutes discovers he can get with chicks, hot chicks, if he doesn't just pour their drinks but juggles them. And and I, it's just amazing, you know. And and uh, I want to play a, a quick clip here. I'm going to try this. This is a new technology I'm trying. And I'm going to play a quick clip and then we'll get into talking about uh, this movie. All right, here we go.
1: Last barman poet. Give us a kiss, you sexy beast! I see America drinking the fabulous cocktails I make. America's getting stinking on something I stir or shake. The sex on the beach, the schnapps made from peach, the velvet hammer, the Alabama slammer the
0: orgasm oh, hands up.
1: the death spasm <laughs> the singapore sling the ding a america you're just devoted to every flavor i've got
0: Ow! Ow.
1: but if you want to get loaded why don't you just order a shot <laughs>
0: So there you go, Stephen. And, and I think this scene uh, perfectly illustrates just how batshit crazy things were in the late 1980s. Not only did millions of moviegoers find it totally plausible that this diminutive bartender could command the undivided attention of hundreds of New York City club goers who are hopped up on Coke and Duran Duran simply by reciting a terrible poem, but dudes in crowds could shout things like, Give us a kiss, you sexy beast, to Tom Cruise and not be immediately tackled by Scientologists and shipped off to L. Ron Hubbard camp. What do you think?
1: Well, you know, I haven't seen the film since it came out. Um, I was, like a lot of people, you know, fascinated by everything Tom Cruise was doing. I mean, you have to remember what impact he had when he, when Risky Business came out. That was, you know, Tom had had like supporting roles in movies, but when Risky Business came out, I mean, I, and I encourage everybody to go back and watch his performance in that film because it's spectacular. Um, He was, you know, he was a new thing. And, and I was just, as you said, as a student of how the business works and of, of Hollywood, I was fascinated to watch what choices he was making after, you know, sort of launching into the stratosphere with that movie. And for the most part, during the 80s, he was very he was very director driven. He was choosing projects uh, based on who the directors were and was doing really wide ranging, interesting work. So I got to tell you, it's. He's been a movie star since 1983 and is still a movie star. That's hard. That is really hard. He's amazing. Yeah. No, to be at that level for that long. It's I'm just telling you, it's hard. It's hard to figure out what to do. And it's hard to sort of sustain uh, the, the, the belief that, that you want to keep doing it. I, I, I have to say, I, I've only met him once, um, a long time ago. Uh, but you know, he's, he was very charming as you can imagine.
0: When as Steven referenced earlier, while the fictional Brian Flanagan was waxing poetic about sex on the beach and schnapps made from peach over at the New York city's rainbow room, the very much real person named Dale DeGroff was, Orchestrating this revolution, you know Dale's a Stephen. You've met, have you met Dale? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you yeah. know D- Dale's a James Beard Award-winning barman. He's the founder of the Museum of the American Cocktail down in New Orleans, and he spearheaded the movement to bring back the Negroni and the Sazerac and the Blood and Sand. And and he, this was all going on around that time in the late '80s, and he basically rescued. You know the world's tap rooms from the skinny tie wearing hordes depicted in that movie, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, you know, what was clear is that people. The good news was that people were ready to take the idea of a cocktail culture, period, seriously. And 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 if the movie only did that, then then it was worth it. The idea that we should even be thinking about cocktails. Um, as being a source of creativity, um, I, I'm all for that. If that's what the movie did, then great. And and that's one of the things that, that is so, you know, saddening about our, our sort of bar and restaurant culture being waylaid by the pandemic is how creative these people are. I work in a creative industry and I've been astonished at, at what these people are able to do. I've watched people create cocktails in front of me, just imagining what something will taste like before they've even put it together over and over and over again. And they do this day in and day out. It's amazing. I, I was comp- I, As I got further and further into the business, I was just blown away at how creative these people are.
0: Yeah. It it really is incredible. And, uh, and I, it's and a I gift.
1: like it's a, it's a, it's a gift. Like it's not, I think you can pursue it and and become good at it, but the people who are exceptional, it's, it's, it's a gift as pronounced as any other artistic gift that you can imagine.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you, obviously the, on the food shows, the chefs have become stars. I, I do think that's coming at some point. I do believe you're going to start seeing more of these, top high the you know the best bartenders in the business i think there's got to be a show at some point where you're going to get to see yeah. what they can do uh and i hope it happens and i hope that i'm hosting it now i mm-hmm. want to ask you about some of your movies now I, this is a we're doing a little uh, free association here i'm yeah. going to throw out a couple names of your films and just tell me the first drink that pops into your head that you would make to have with that movie and why you would
1: Okay, I'll try. I'll try and stick to some classics. Then. Okay, yeah.
0: so we'll, we'll. Speaking of classics, we'll go with the with the thing that sort of launched launched it off for you: "Sex, Lies, and Videotape." What are we drinking with "Sex, Lies, and Videotape"?
1: Um, I think some sort of something light. Let me think about that. Something I would you know you know what I'd go with uh, strangely. I would go with the uh the Singani version of a sangria. We have a Singria that um I think is excellent. That's what I would that's what I would go with. That that movie needs some wine. You need to have a wine sort of element in there somewhere.
0: How how do you make that? Just the, the quick version of it. What would you here? I got the Singani right here. Am I just putting a bunch of fruit in there with it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's you're, kinda you're, it. You're, yep. Okay. It's pretty okay. simple. All right. I we like it. that. That's in our cocktail book.
0: Okay. Where did people get the cocktail book?
1: Uh on our website, on the Singani oh. Sixty Three website. We have a twenty-four classics that you can make with uh Cingani. Okay. Uh Out of Sight. Out of sight. That feels like a Singani a, a Negroni to okay. me. Yeah. I like that you're uh, staying we, on we brand make,
0: here. The, you're staying on brand. I like this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And we make that we make the Singroni uh with Aperol instead of compart.
0: Why? It's a little sweeter.
1: Yeah. It's just a little rounder. Like the, the, the Campari can be, if you're not careful, it can be a little bit hard. And so the, the Aperol just sort of softens it a little bit.
0: Why were we out drinking those one time? I feel like this. Yes. Happened before. I think we okay. Were. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. I feel I'm having a memory of you explaining this to me while we were in a bar. Yeah. The beauty of the bar was I don't remember
1: anything you said. I don't either.
0: Okay. Um, contagion. Can I jump? Can I take this one?
1: Sure. Please. Is it bleach? Bleach and Sangani, Yeah, I yeah, had two to. parts. I, two parts Sangani, one part bleach.
0: One part bleach because it it will cure it. Yeah. Um, and now we're going to go with Ocean's Eleven.
1: Well, let's see. Sazerac. Okay, classic with yep. singani Yep.
0: And then I guess the final one would be Magic Mike. What am I drinking while I'm watch, watching Magic Mike?
1: Well, that I. I for me, I would. I think I'd go just on the rocks there, I think, because you want to you get to the end zone as quickly as possible to be prepared for all this flesh. Um, so I'd, I'd just go Singani Rocks and, and let's get the party going.
0: I think I would do that too, just because I would feel anything that would have any sugar or anything, I don't want to have it because I'd be watching these guys on screen and then looking down at myself and going, why?
1: Exactly. L- look how... Oh, here. Okay. Speaking of magic, Mike and sugar and, you know, drinking and uh, the morning after. This was told to me by Matt Bomer, and I swear it works. If you've gone out drinking and before you go to bed, you eat a couple of forkfuls of sauerkraut while you're sleeping. It eats up all the sugar. And when you wake up like you're in much better shape. This totally works. Okay. It's science, Dan. It's I, science. I've
0: heard every, I thought I've heard every hangover cure ever. You're saying sauerkraut.
1: Yeah. Eats up all Are the Are you sugar. sure
0: he's just not fucking with you because you're like, he's, well, I don't know. Like he's at, at parties at the, telling at people every time Soderbergh goes out, he eats sauerkraut
1: because they told him. Well, that, look, yeah. if we, if we were to find out he, he owns equity in a company that makes sauerkraut. Okay. That's, that's, That's worth pursuing. But this is anecdotal information that we picked up from Matt Bomer. I've tried it. I'm convinced it works. So I'm just putting it out there.
0: I'm going to put this to the test. I'm going, we always encourage responsible drinking here on what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. But, you know, sometimes you overdo it. Sometimes I'm home alone all the time. I'm home alone now. Well,
1: here's the, that is the problem is the, the nights in which you would most benefit from having a little bit of sauerkraut, you're too drunk to remember to eat the sauerkraut.
0: <laughs> it's like, uh, I had one of those over the holidays. I did have one of those days. I was watching football. And, and I think, you know, this is, I, I'm, I'm making light of it, but I guess it's something we do need to be uh, aware of is, you know, every once in a while during this, I'll have those moments where I'm like, ah, fuck it, you know? And I was drinking that day, watching football. And then I'm like, I'm just going to have more and, more and more. And then boy, the next day, I, I that was, uh, the first hangover I've had in a long while, and I could have used some sauerkraut. I'm going to do this, uh, by the way. I'm going to get sauerkraut. Get it
1: get it, teed up. Here's, here's, here's what my wife does. is She puts it out on the counter with a fork <laughs> so that I, I've got, I, I have to see it before, I leave, you know, the TV room. So, uh, get it out there, get it ready. What about just
0: water? Like one of the things that I would do, there was a period where, I, but, and I always tend to forget to do it, but I was, I would just drink water in between each drink. And I felt, cause really at the end of the day, that's yeah. what, that's, what's really causing the hangover is you're, you're, you're dehydrated. You know, you're yeah. you're you're pissing out everything. You're not you're not you're you're completely dehydrated, and that's what's causing your body to react that way, and you know, limbs to not operate the way they're supposed to, and right. your eye shuts and things like that. But water's always been effective. But I, I'm I am curious to see. I guess it would be this. Would it be the salt in the sauerkraut? Like, is that what's sucking it all I, up,
1: or just the it's the fermentation aspect of sauerkraut that acts on the sugar? that's in your system it's it's very it's very complex uh molecular stuff if anybody man, out there that swears by it i'm swearing by it okay. so you know that's that's two people that's not a big sample size but well if anybody
0: know. out there listening knows of this and can explain to me what's going on hit me up at the imbiber at wwd underscore podcast and let me know what this is somebody out there's smarter than most people are out there smarter than me. I'd like to know the science behind sauerkraut and hangovers and what a, what a great place to, end, finish up here. So I, I want you to, uh, Stephen, I, I would invite you to give us some hope for 2021. Tell us what we have. What's the good stuff that's coming down the pike into, in, in your opinion. Uh, uh,
1: the, my hope is that the trajectory of last year will be completely reversed. Now, that may mean it's going to take some months, but I'm absolutely convinced that we, we now have the ability to unwind what happened in 2020 and have the last quarter of 2021 finally feel like we got our lives back. Um, I'm, I'm going with that.
0: Prior to this... Being in the business that I'm in, I get invited to, and I did tell you I went to Ireland. But there's so many things. Oh, go here, go to this, and I, eh, I don't want to do it. I don't want to go. There's a, and I'll tell you, boy, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> when I when I have the opportunity to go to cool places, and whether it's here in Los Angeles to go to a party or a dinner or something, or to travel, I won't make that mistake again because I, I'm never going to take it for granted that I'm going to be able to move freely throughout the world and. I can't wait for that day. I can't wait to go down to Bolivia someday with you and and, and check out where where is it's it's still being made in the same oh, yeah. the same oh, yeah. distillery in, that you started with.
1: Yeah, and Tarija, which is in the southern part of the country. But I think you're right. I think the 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 only positive that's come out of any of this are those moments where you think I'll never take this this aspect of my life for granted again. Even now, just having moments, quiet moments, I appreciate those. The fact that I can even have a a quiet moment at home and, and not be sort of subsumed by all the chaos that's around us. I value those moments now, but I think you're right. I think it'll, and that's why I feel like movie going and traveling, like that will all, people will be so desperate to, to break out of their routines, that that will all come back and we'll be able to do it safely. Now, having said that, everybody that I talk to is very clear that there are no indications that the vaccines are, are lifetime immunity badges, like the measles vaccines are, that we will all be faced with some sort of boosters occasionally, they're not sure when, cause this is all so new, the, the thumbnail I've heard is probably 3 years but you know it's it's going to work
0: I'll take that trade off yep. Singani 63 is you can you can get it now you can go to the website it is what is it again buy singani 63 buy singani yeah. singani is spelled S I N G A N I 63 year Stephen was born sorry had to give it away buy singani63.com go there get some of this he said it himself. You can make virtually any drink. Virtually, don't make it dark and stormy. They'll fucking haul your ass off to jail yeah. right away. You're done. But yeah, that any- is
1: not in our. That is not in our classic cocktail book. We're
0: doing this. We we are doing this. When we come out of this, we're going to do some segment let's, let's, one day where we make the, the dark and stormy.
1: Let's down the gauntlet and see. I know lawyers. Let's go.
0: I've interviewed that guy, Malcolm Gosling. I've I've interviewed him before, and I will. And I'll say your move, buddy. You come in, come at us, come at us. But, and then also please check out a Steven's movie on HBO max. Let them all talk. It's a, it's a beautiful film. I loved it. And if I love it, it's gotta be good. No. Okay. Steven, always great to see you, man. And, uh, we'll do this again soon and hopefully in person.
1: Yeah, that would be great. But, um, in any context, I'm happy to do it. Good to see you. Good to see you too, man.
0: Let me tell you about fuel up. Fuel Up is a nutritional hydration supplement designed to boost energy, alertness, and motivation. Helps protect cells from damage, helps relieve fatigue after you work out, helps reduce inflammation from exercise, joint stiffness from sitting too long, basically all the shit that's wrong with me. Fuel Up helps with it. It also supports the immune, digestive, and nervous system, supports muscle contraction, and general heart health. Oh, and it promotes the production of neurotransmitters. I don't know what they are. They sound like something you want to have. So go to FuelUpHydration.com. There's a special offer right now for my listeners. If you order a bag of Wake Plus today, you receive a free Fuel Up shaker bottle and free shipping. Again, that's Fuel Up. Get those neurotransmitters. You need them. On the next episode of What We're Drinking, I'm going to be talking with Bill Gould, one of the founding members of the band Faith No More. Two years ago, Bill decided to make Reikia which is a traditional sip in the Balkan region of the world. He wanted to bring it to America shores. Yabiga, PRVA, is his first import, and I'm going to have him on. We're going to drink that, and we're going to talk about it, what it is. It's basically Serbian moonshine, Bulgarian brandy, they also call it. So we're going to get into that. That's going to be cool. We've never had that on the show before, so I'm excited to talk to Bill next week from Faith No More. Uh, Again, I invite you to follow me at WWD underscore podcast. That's the show. And I'm at the imbiber. Follow me there. Now, I like to tell you about products, new products. This isn't necessarily a new product, but it's a product that I love that I got a bunch of over the holidays for a holiday gift. This is not a sponsorship. I'm just telling you because I love it. And there is a alcohol component to it. It's Duke Cannon Soaps. All right, Duke Cannon. Who is Duke Cannon? Duke hails from a simpler time. Time when the term handyman was redundant. Time when chivalry and patriotism weren't considered old-fashioned. Time when you never put the word salad next to bar. Something happened along the way. Men were encouraged to put down their lug wrenches, pick up their phones, the hashtag for help. Substance was replaced by the flash of guys taking selfies. What the fuck? Instead of getting up before dawn to build railroads... Men started going to the gym at 9 a.m. to ride pretend bicycles. It's worth noting that I did also order a Peloton over the holidays. So I'll admit that. Anyway, as any historian worth of salt will tell you, this country was built by folks with a sense of purpose. Duke Cannon's purpose is simple, to make superior quality grooming goods that meet the high standards. Hardworking men, these products are tested by soldiers, not boy bands, and they're made in a little place we like to call the United States of fucking America. God, I'm really excited about this. And again, this is not an advertiser. I just like Duke Cannon. These are the ones I got. I got the Big Ass Beer Soap, which is made with fresh-squeezed IPA from Deschutes Brewery. I also got the Big Ass Beer Soap made with premium American lager. What is that premium American lager? Old fucking Milwaukee, of course. And then I got the Big American Bourbon Soap, Made with Buffalo Trace, 90 proof Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey from Buffalo Trace, Duke Cannon. Go to dukecannon.com, get the soap, you smell good. I also got a little bomb. a little, it's like a little tin and I open it up and I put it on my neck and no one can smell me because I'm home alone all the time. (sighs) My God, it's lonely. I want to thank Marco Saffron, Cinema Vino, taking part of the show. I want to thank Steven Soderbergh. Of course, love talking to Steven. I'm sure he'll be back this year again. I want to thank Steve Miller for not making me feel like a moron, for not knowing who he was at that racing school all those many years ago. And of course, I want to thank you for joining me on the podcast. Tell a friend about it. Tell a friend or two. Put it on the social media. This show's growing, but this is the year I want world dominance, and I can only dominate with your help, folks. I need you on this, and I promise in return that I will provide best and most accurate adult beverage information there is how's that deal can we drink to that can I drink a little bit of this Piper Hudson bubbly to that yeah I can that's going to do it for this episode everybody we'll see you on the next one love you